Welcome to Broken Seas Maudlin Supplementary Behind the Scenes Podcast. Try saying that one fast. This is Alexa Chipman, the writer. I thought I would begin with a little background on episode one. I wanted to begin with a sort of creature that does not speak because I wanted to introduce you to the main characters without having an extra mythological being that is also speaking and confusing you. Well, I hope he wouldn't confuse you. I assume that the calibre of the audience is such as would be able to comprehend it. I recall reading something once that if there was the word dragon in a title, it was automatically going to be rubbish. So I thought, oh, I've got to prove that wrong. Of course, the word dragon does not appear in the title of the episode. However, dragons are a very traditional creature, and I thought I could start with them without being too entirely cliché, or perhaps I was. A lot of the story has been drawn from Beowulf, the original Old English version, of course, and which is one reason why Wesley does quote from it. Good job for David MacGyver on attempting that rather difficult piece of work. Each episode of Maudlin will feature a different sort of mythology, and it was difficult to choose, because if you go with the sort of mainstream, you're on the risk of being overdoing it. And if you choose something that's rather obscure, then it being an audio production, you have to waste a lot of time describing whatever it is. Uh, Most people know what a hippogriff is now, but... A few years ago, if you said, a hippogriff is flying this way, you'd have no idea what that meant. Which is why I did choose to begin with dragons, because they're a quick read in audio, a quick listen, rather. You instantly know what they look like. And with the first episode, it's probably important to do that and not start with something no one has heard of. In a moment, we're going to speak with Mark Kalita, otherwise known as Commander Mac, who plays Atherton. A little bit about Atherton, of course. As for the name, I was having some trouble locating one that I felt represented the character very well. And I went through lists and lists of names, I went through books I had, I just sat and thought about it. Nothing. Nothing. Hours went by. And I finally suddenly had this name, Atherton, appear. I didn't know where it came from, but it was perfect, so I went with it. And then I was driving down the motorway, and there was an exit. I had a sign that said, Atherton Avenue. So I'm assuming that's where it originally came from, although I did not know it at the time. So if you're ever in Novato... And you see the name Atherton Avenue, that's where it came from. The character himself is rather tricky. He just sort of appeared the way he does. He tends to talk in a rather odd way. Uh, He's sort of a cross I see between Sir Humphrey and Burnett from Yes Minister. In that often he talks in a way that the average person can't understand although it does make sense if you think about it for a few hours and at the same time he always has to correct anything that's 
incorrect. So any cliches or grammatical errors, he has to point it out. Also, he is the character whose taste in literature most closely resembles my own. He has a hatred for Chaucer and adores Langland instead. For those of you that don't know, those two authors were about the same time and were very, very different. So often if you like Chaucer, you don't much care for Langland and vice versa. They had a very different set of morals, I suppose you could say. Atherton is a very moral person. He sort of has a saving people thing, as it has been said. If someone is in trouble, he has to be there. He has to help, even at the risk of his own life. As Wesley likes to point out, it's not always a good idea, but Atherton has to help the person. He doesn't care about himself. And at the same time, he has a rather dry wit, so it doesn't entirely make sense, but... Atherton is just that way. It's the good of others before himself, really. Hello everyone, and welcome to Behind the Scenes of Maudlin, which is Broken Sea Audio Productions' latest original offering. My name is Mark Kalita, and I play the character of Percy Atherton. Atherton is a student at Oxford University in the late 1930s who specializes in medieval literature, particularly religious texts. He's quite the avid archer. He likes to fence and uh, can occasionally be found in the local deer park uh, taking some target practice, which occasionally gets him into little bits of trouble. To be perfectly honest, I was really pretty stunned when I found out that I was chosen for this particular role. Uh, I auditioned for a couple of them, uh, including Worsley and uh, David Cecil. Atherton was the third audition that I did for this particular show, and I really did it kind of as a last-minute thing. Much as I like the character, is probably my favorite character in the entire show, it was probably the one I figured I had the least chance of actually getting. Uh, Alexa had a pretty specific uh, type of voice in mind for it, and uh, I didn't know exactly how close I was going to actually get to that particular voice uh, without accidentally starting to sound like Doctor Who or uh, you know some other of my my other British characters I played, but uh, oh, for the heck of it, I uh, gave it a shot, and when the cast announcement finally came out, I, I sat there with my mouth wide open saying, oh my god, I got Atherton, this is so amazing. I got into the world of audio drama in, I would say, fall of 2002, so that's uh, it's a good five years ago. I started off uh, at what would become Darker Projects, uh, playing on Star Trek, the Section 31 files, which at the time I think started off as Star Trek Defiant for about two or three episodes and then switched over. Uh, not long after, I took on the role of Doctor Who, which I am still playing to this day, and uh, have certainly plans for more of that now that Doctor Who has 
moved to Broken Sea Productions as of uh, January 2008. Prior to uh, April of 2007, uh, most of my work was over at Darker Projects, but uh, I have also done a couple pieces uh, on the side as well. I uh, came to the notice of Gareth Preston at Phantom Frame Productions, now at Westlake Films, and uh, a couple years ago I did a bit part as a UN security guard, which uh, he quite liked, and that led me to be cast in one of his productions of the Agents of Science, uh, called Lucifer's Sentinel, that was the name of the episode, uh, played a character called Cazador. And my hope is, and um, Gareth has promised, that uh, he will eventually uh, get round when he gets some time to finally producing and completing that particular episode, because I would certainly love to hear it. There was another fellow, uh, Aaron Toman was his name. He does a lot of Doctor Who crossover pieces. And uh, a few years back, I uh, was able to, uh, to join one of his productions, was called uh, A Time Lord in Prince Henry's Court, where I played the role of Prince Henry, which was a lot of fun. It was certainly my biggest stretch at the time, playing this sort of uh, wimpy, effete young prince um, who reminded me a lot of the, uh, the Terry Jones uh, wimpy prince character in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, uh, who had to marry this young girl who had really big tracts of land. And uh, I think in a way that's kind of where I drew my inspiration for uh, playing the Prince Henry character. And, and that was kind of fun. Did a lot of retakes uh, to get the lines right on there. And uh, while it was kind of demanding, it was, it was nice having someone who really had a detail for direction and if he wanted a line done a certain way, if he wanted a particular delivery, he would tell you. And I did a lot of retakes, and that was fantastic. Uh, that's certainly one of the things I love about working with Alexa Chipman. For Maudlin, um, the lines that I've done, she will actually listen to them carefully, and if the delivery is a little bit off she will direct me. She'll get back to me, say, okay, I, I need this, you know, a little happier. I need this, uh, a little more stern. I need this a bit more British. And, uh, and I love that. I love that. Uh, I hate to think sometimes that, that there are directors out there who just get the lines, uh, take them, string them together, post-produce them, send them out. And, you know, consequently, sometimes the lines might not have the appropriate feel that they should for the scene. When Alexa first posed the idea of Maudlin uh, to the Lord High Hooligans at Broken Sea, I was particularly impressed because not only did she have at the time all these character descriptions, she had the setting, she had like three scripts already done, and ideas for several more scripts afterward, which she submitted right away, and we were all incredibly impressed by her preparation and her professionalism. Uh, the story itself, the, the whole concept of uh, this rift that opens up in 1930s England 
and all of these mythological creatures and fantasy characters walking out just juxtaposed to this sort of like P.G. Woodhouse type setting was incredibly appealing to me. And after reading the first couple scripts, I said, you know what, I don't care how many scripts I currently have on my desk already to be recorded, I want to somehow try and be a part of this. And uh, so I tossed in my auditions and uh, was very fortunate and very surprised to hear that I won the role of Atherton. A huge thank you there to Mac and... Hiya folks, um, I'm Stevie Farnaby, the producer on Modeling. Although I'm a qualified and time-served producer sound engineer, um, I'd not actually done an audio drama until now uh, because most of my production work has all sort of been music-based. The two disciplines are very subtly different, of course, um, as I've enjoyed finding out, one of which is that in music production, the intent of your mix is to create a space within the stereo field for the vocals to sit in. Um, so what you're basically doing is you're moving guitar and keyboard sounds either to the left or the right of the stereo field um, for the vocals to just sit nicely in the middle. In an audio drama, of course, uh, the dialogue can be placed anywhere within the stereo field. And your, your intent of the mix is to create a sense of space between the characters and, of course, atmosphere. For episode one of Maud, um, I used a combination of Goldwave and Soundforge to edit and manipulate the various sounds and vocal performances, of course. Um, the whole thing was mixed down on about 12 tracks in Sonar 6 Studio Producer Edition, um, where I added further effects again. Um, so there's quite a lot of effects processing involved uh, with this particular mix. I've had an absolute blast creating the right mood for modelling. It is, after all, set in the 1930s, so all the sound effects used um, all had to be period pieces. This, of course, has posed some interesting challenges. When Atherton, Worsley and Westbrook, for example, walk to the pub, you can hear cars in the background. These are recordings of actual 1930s cars. The cash register in the pub is also from the 1930s. Listen out for the door chimes sound, by the way. Uh, that's actually a recording of a, a set of door chimes um, from the right period as well, I might add, um, that Alexa owns. I thought it was kind of, kind of a nice touch to put a piece of Alexa in there, in the mix, in somewhere really unexpected. One of the things I also had to do was to uh, resist the temptation um, of adding way too many sound effects uh, to modelling. <laughs> <laughs> um, getting the balance just right was uh, quite a tough call. Um, I mean, after all, this is modelling and not Star Wars. Um, and I wanted the characters to tell the story and not the effects. One of the most fun parts of this episode for me was uh, doing the dragons. A short while ago, I was asked by Bill Holweg um, to produce some dragon sound effects for his Grog and Griffin series. So I wound up recording about 50 or so various huffs and puffs and fire-breathing type sound effects. Uh, <laughs> now I've tailored these further, of course, and processed them even more with uh, additional effects. I then took all these dragon sound effects that I'd actually voiced for Bill, <laughs> and I created a drop-down list um, of dragon noises within Sonar. Um, I could then simply call one up as and when I needed it, 
And the result is that I believe I've created the world's first virtual dragon. Uh, <laughs> there, there are actually times when I listen to this episode that I swear the dragons um, that I've nicknamed Eric and Dora, by the way, <laughs> are actually um, interacting with the rest of the cast members. On a slightly more serious note, I think the music on uh, Maudlin is a key factor in creating its mood as well. Um, I really do enjoy this style of music, and the vibe it creates is absolutely stunning. I feel really blessed as well um, to have the cast that we do for Maud. Every single member has given first-rate performances and brought each and every character to life beautifully. The professionalism has been simply amazing as well. Quite honestly, I feel with this mix of imaginative scripts, um, superb characters, of course, um, the level of effects we've got going on, and this cast, um, I think Maud is going to be a very, very unique series, and quite unlike any other audio drama ever produced, or certainly that I've ever heard anyway. Hope you all enjoy listening as much as we've enjoyed making it. <laughs> We will be answering questions on this podcast, so if you ever have any, please just send them in to maudlin at brokensea.com. And if you can't spell that, you're not alone. So go to brokensea.com, there is a page for maudlin. (laughs) 